forget. Take your seats! Please! Please, God! Please, can we just cut? Can we just cut? I've had just about enough of this nonsense. Good afternoon. And the Oscar goes to... Leonardo DiCaprio. Welcome back to the final episode, kind of, of Losing It Over Leo. This is the one, guys. This is it. After this episode... Leo will have his Oscar. And after that, um, you know, we'll come back, probably. We'll see how this goes. So today, we are going to talk about the movie that finally got Leonardo DiCaprio his Oscar. And that movie is The Revenant. I think it's just worth coming out and saying it. We're talking about The Revenant today. This is a very special episode for a lot of reasons. Uh, One, we're at the very end of uh, our journey. This is where Leo gets the Oscar. Two, this is... um, this is The Revenant, which holds a lot of uh, personal... I, I have a lot of uh, personal attachment to this movie because in an older podcast, this was like... My running joke was just how excited I was to see this movie <laughs> when it came out. And like... I mean, it wasn't even a joke. I was very excited to see this movie when it came out. And we're going to talk about it a lot now. Um, and I guess the other reason is that this is just... This is just a very notable movie, as uh, me and Pierre were just talking about before we started this. Um, Pierre, you want to tell us a little bit about this movie? We'll get into what it's about later, but let's just like talk about why, what's so special about the people involved in this movie. Sure. So yeah, the, well, first of all, we have a director who came off of, uh, an Oscar nom and win for best director, I believe, but also, Mm -hmm. um, this movie was, uh, had nominations for best, uh, best actor, best supporting actress, I believe with Emma Stone. No? Oh, 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 you're talking mind. about Birdman. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he had just done Birdman before this, yeah, the year which, before. Which was a huge Oscar, darling. And then he goes on to direct The Revenant the year after, which is, um, you know, like it, it stars Leo and and Tom Hardy, who are at like both at like the, I honestly like probably the heights of their of popularity in their career, in my opinion, or at this least was like right critical popularity, I should say. Yeah, because Leo was just coming off The Wolf of Wall Street. And at this point, he had a reputation. Like, there was a joke among me and my friends, and we were not the only ones telling it, that, like, the Academy Awards was just a conspiracy to make to get Leonardo DiCaprio to make good movies. Because yeah. he'd done The Wolf of Wall Street. Before that, he'd done Django Unchained. Before that, he'd done a bunch of other good movies. That's what this podcast is about. So, like, he'd just been doing back-to-back, nothing but gold. and then. Still hadn't won his Oscar. Yeah, and then we also have Tom Hardy, who um, in the last few years did Mad the Max. Dark Knight Rises. He did Mad Max that year, um, which he was amazing in. And he did Legend, which even though it wasn't an amazingly successful movie, uh, it received he received a lot of praise for his role. Um, I know a friend of mine was really, really into that, and I still haven't seen it yet. I got to watch that. Yeah, so like this is like a huge, a huge height of of uh, the director Inuritu's career um, coming into The Revenant. And uh, and then also he teams up with Emmanuel Lubezki, the cinematographer, who uh, who also, I think he won the Oscar the year before for Birdman, if I'm not mistaken, I, for cinematography. Yes, At least, yeah, he did. Yeah, he, had okay, won, cool. he won it, which, and, I mean, if I had never seen, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen anything else by Emmanuel Lubezki, but I've seen Birdman and I've seen Re- The Revenant. And I can say these are two of my favorite movies from a cinematography perspective that I've ever seen. Yeah, he's, he's really good at what he does. He also did um, Gravity, I believe. And That movie that was, was also... also very good at that, but I didn't uh, like it as much. 
That's yeah, yeah. The cinematography, because so he had won the cinematography Oscar two years in a row before this as well. So he's also coming off really high streak. And then we have Leo, who just previously, like you said, um, came off the Wolf of Wall Street. So I mean, just like an amazing cast going into the or amazing uh, staff of people going into this. And uh, I think I had a lot of high hopes before it even came out. Yeah, I remember. I remember, uh, I guess just to talk about Lubezki one more time, I remember seeing the trailer for this movie in theaters. And like, I don't remember very much about the trailer, except that the trailer shows off a couple of the long shots in the movie. And it is one of, and like, it got me so hyped for this movie. I was hyped before, as soon as I heard that this movie was coming out, because I know the story of Hugh Glass, roughly. But like, um, just the one trailer from this movie, just showing off some of those, some of those, uh, I think it's like the early on when the camp gets raided, that's in the trailer. That was incredible. Just one shot. And it's like, okay, I'm sold on this movie. Yeah, it, he knows what he's doing. Um, yeah, And I, I definitely think from, from what I saw, the cinematography was the high point. But we can get into that later. Uh, I guess uh, you want to talk about the plot. There's not much to say, but. This plot is very simple. Uh, there's a guy named Hugh Glass. And he's a trapper with a trapping company or a fur trading company. And um, their camp gets raided. So they have to move on. And as they're going around, like he's, he's always out doing, he's always out trapping because he's a trapper. And at one point he uh, walks into the woods and gets on the wrong side of a mama bear and gets destroyed. It is a miracle that he's not killed immediately by this bear um but like it's actually like he only survives because he's found relatively quickly and patched up a little bit and then like his the captain of the fur trading expo expedition specifically refuses to just like kill him and bury him there but then it one so he so he gets left with two people one of whom is tom hardy and the other is will poulter who eventually leave him behind because they because Tom Hardy doesn't feel like hanging out anymore and um, just leave him for dead. And then some he is at this point somehow uh, recovered enough that he survives, crawls all the way back to the fur trading company and like tries to take his revenge on Tom Hardy. And I guess whether or not he does would be a spoiler, but like, I think you can probably imagine what happens. So a lot of this movie is just Leonardo DiCaprio crawling through the wilderness uh, with all of his bones broken and like not being able to do anything other than crawl through the wilderness. Yeah, it's a pretty intense, uh, intense movie to watch. And going, going through this movie, it, it really is Leo who... Um, has to basically carry the plot because he is his his recovery is the plot essentially and what's and... really interesting about this from an acting perspective is that like he's he has to carry leo's acting has to carry this movie and it does but leo like can't speak for half the movie because like his vocal cords will not work he literally has a hole in his neck for a big part of the movie yeah and, and like so a, a lot of his acting is physical and like it, I, I think it added to a lot of debate of whether this was like one of his better roles um i mean obviously it's one of his better roles but like because he won the oscar for this role uh it's hard to say if it's the best because again it's it's not very subtle acting i guess it's very just physical it's like just mostly physical torture rather for him rather than actual like acting and and it could be seen that way i don't know how much of it was acting and how much of it was like already um just him having a shitty time too in some spots which Maybe. might this might speak to how well he, he did it because I, I remember reading today in the uh, uh some behind the scenes stuff is that like leo was like like the, the crew is constantly like extremely cold on set and leo was like he said he was on the verge of like hyperthermia and he, he probably did get sick a few times, like just from acting this out. So, uh, yeah, that, I guess that helped his performance though. I'm guessing. Say, well, I mean, like to me, that just sounds like he's gone method, maybe not intentionally, but like, 
<laughs> yeah, well, I think that was part of Inuritu's like uh, goal, goal, goal with the movie was just to make it as raw, of a, uh, as raw of a movie as possible, and I think that mm-hmm. affected everything from the cinematography to the acting to the to the, the the production design, which is basically just nature. I think they just found spots to act in. Yeah, so, right down to like the characterization. Yeah. I'm not even going to say the acting necessarily because that too, well, the acting, yes, but I'm going to say the characterization of all of the auxiliary characters, like anyone who wasn't a main role. In this case, mostly I'm thinking of the Native Americans that he runs into. They are like really scary in this movie. And like they're not depicted as villains or anything, but, you know, he is... Uh, he's going to get killed because he's a white man trespassing and like doing trapping where they do not want him to be trapping. So like he's going to get killed by them. And anytime a native American patrol comes by, they are actually super scary. Yeah. There's that, that huge, um, that huge scene at the start where the, the camp, the camp is assaulted by, um, by the indigenous peoples was like a crazy, a lot of it was done in one shot it was a really brutal thing to watch because, like, all the, all the, I think all the action was just really raw and up close. Mm. Um, you could, you could feel like how, how scary it was of just like, um, <clears throat> like an arrow, an arrow could hit you literally at any time and you would never see it coming and stuff like that. So, yeah, like that, 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 that was like very, like, that wasn't even really acting either, I think, but it was just like, well, the, their presence. I yeah, guess. I was just going to say, like, whether say. that's whether that's down to the acting or not, that's, you know, this film feels mm. raw. And that's one of the things that makes it feel so raw is just how, like, how Inuritu decides to portray even, like, all conflict in this is, like, there's no one heroically striking down a bunch of dudes. It's a guy getting hit by an arrow and then dying for five minutes off screen because he's not important. Yeah, which but I, yeah, I there. think... I think that does reflect in Leo's performance as well. And that like he it wasn't like a flashy performance mm-hmm. that, that he was giving. It was just um, doing <laughs> like, yeah, like it, it was just doing whatever was possible for him to survive in, in the movie. So mm-hmm. like and, and that, it was cool. Like, I, I think I, I don't know if necessarily like this is actually one of those movies where I don't necessarily think Leo Leo had to be the actor in this, but I think he did a really good job of it. Like, um, we really bought into the character and his pain, despite like any lack of words and stuff like that. I mean, the uh, there were there were parts where it was a little corny. Um, with uh, essentially throughout the movie, he's constantly like haunted by by the images of like his his son and his wife, mm-hmm. who I think both have passed away. Right? I know the son did. I don't know his about wife the wife did his son. His son passing away is technically a spoiler because that happens on screen. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Jeez. Um, it's fine. Yeah. There's not much to spoil in this movie, I don't think. Yeah. So like that, that was really good. But I do also want to re- say um, I think Tom Hardy from a raw, like a, a u- the usual acting standpoint, I think he put in an amazing performance that rivaled Leo's, even though their performances were so different. I have to in, say in terms of what they had to do. For both of these actors, I have never seen them give another performance anything like this. Like, for Leo, I've never seen him give another performance that's this physical. Um, And for Tom Hardy, I've never seen him give a performance that, I don't know, is anything, like, just feels like this at all. This is nothing like him in Inception. And, like, it's nothing like him in Mad Max. I mean, I guess it's closer to what he's like in Mad Max. Mad Max, but but not, but really not. Yeah, but really, it's like he's I don't even know how to describe Tom Hardy in this. Um, and he's not indescribable. I'm just failing at words. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I, like, I'm yeah, I just want to say, like, I it was amazing how because this character is honestly really irredeemable, right? Like they just mm. make him from the start just a consistent asshole. And like the the reason for him being that way isn't he's just a greedy guy, essentially. Right. Yeah. But um when you when you actually watch the role personally i actually really empathized with him so um, did just I. in terms I was, of uh sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say near the end he like, like talks to Dominal gleason and like 
tells it and and it comes across like yes he's a greedy guy and he's a bad person but he's here because he was hired to do a job and he just wants to do the job and not have to deal with all the other stuff that happens with this job like he doesn't want to have to save Hugh Glass he doesn't even know Hugh Glass he just yeah. wants to do his job and get the money and get back to his life cuz yeah. like he's not interested in this yeah and honestly like i in a way in a weird way i respect that even though he he screwed over so many people to do that like by by the end i yeah i i honestly felt for the guy and i i that's actually i don't think many actors could have pulled that off except for like tom hardy put in an an exceptional performance to do that whereas leo's performance you don't it's not as complex if that makes like obviously it's a really yeah exactly there's not much more to the character other than this is a good guy that really wants revenge for his son so Mm. uh yeah but tom hardy honestly like blew it out of the park i remember when i watched it in theaters i had a really hard time listening to his accent um i still have a hard time listening to his. yeah okay i think i had subtitles this time so that might have helped me a lot but oh uh, man you had subtitles we're gonna talk a lot about that because i specifically did not and i feel like a lot of the movie was subtitled that i could not understand because it was in a different language (laughs) yeah there there were a couple (laughs) pretty important parts um but yeah also we had dom hall gleason who at the time was coming off of a couple pretty good movies like ex machina and uh star wars came out I, I think literally like two months before, right? So, yeah, some like that. Because this came out December 2015, right? Or maybe it was oh, the same yeah. month. Yeah, it came out the same month. So, <laughs> Domino Gleason was in this at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, he had an amazing month. Um, Domino Gleason, oh, he, his role. This was the I, same year as Mad Max. I'm sorry. I didn't. I, I didn't oh, no, mean it's to, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, he, he had a. Dom Hall Gleason had a great year. He was he was actually really good in this movie. Like it didn't really demand much of him. Like he was basically just a guy trying to do the right thing. Um, I but I, that- I really liked it. Like he 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 really brought like an intensity to the role that like I don't think was necessarily required, but like it helped the character a lot. Domhnall Gleason put in a great performance, and I wouldn't say he was my favorite performance in this movie. But I would say he was my favorite character. I just liked him as a character better than anyone else in this movie. Yeah, he was he was willing. He was he was there for his men, and yeah. he was really passionate about them. So I just love that. A good dude. Yeah, and then uh, oh, this lastly, is the same year as Ex Machina too. What an incredible year 2015 was. No, Ex Machina was 2014, wasn't it? Nope. Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, so. Uh, and then we had who's the last guy? I can't remember his acting name. Uh, uh, Will Will Poulter. Will Poulter, who was in Will Where Where the Millers and uh, was what else was he in before this? Uh, before this, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so he 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 was in it. He again, he didn't have much to do, but he was actually pretty good in his role as well. I really bought him uh, as the young innocent kid that's just kind of being pushed around by the adults essentially oh his but breakout role was in the chronicles of narnia the voyage of the dawn oh i remember that yeah i hated him in that like i hated his character well, in that movie yeah because his character is awful he's supposed yeah. to be um so, so i guess he was good in that but yeah, yeah. he put on a great a great great act or great performance as well so that was awesome so yeah just a really strong cast overall i there, mm-hmm. i mean there weren't many actors in this but there were no weak weak spots uh, in it at all. No, not no. This was just an overall good performance from really everyone involved. This yeah. is a very well put together movie, pretty much on every level. Yeah, I feel that, and I think a lot of that is due to the the talent like Inuritu brought mm-hmm. to the movie. Um, he because this the movie had like a terrible production cycle. The I, I think the the shoot was delayed for six weeks because of I think they were waiting for snow to come back, and because they were shooting in Alberta, northern Alberta. Oh and, yeah, wasn't there like a Chinook or something? I don't know what that means, but yeah, that, I remember hearing that a lot in reference to this movie. Yeah, so then they had to wait six weeks, which made Tom Hardy have to leave Suicide Squad, um, and and then Tom and then they went to shoot I think in northern Europe later because they. They were just like, this is ridiculous. We can't keep waiting. And uh, 
and yeah, like on honestly, like it's it's crazy because they only use natural lighting, which I think really because like I, I think the biggest thing about this movie is it makes me feel like I'm in nature. Mm-hmm. Like it's so immersive with like the sound, the sound mixing is amazing in this. It really puts you there. Uh I would like the things like like again, the action effects and stuff were really up close and and brutal um and a lot of them were done in one take like there were lots of longer or quite a few longer take shots specifically to capture like the intensity of a scene and those were all really good but like to do something like that and only and like only use natural lighting and then also like like basically this like for some of these takes with the longer shots they can only do it once because um they would run out of sunlight before they could finish the scene or redo the mm-hmm. scene essentially. So, uh, yeah, and I, yeah, that, that's the thing is, I, I don't think this movie would have worked on like a green screen set or something like that. Like, no, not at all. This it helped it so much, and a lot of that work is because I think Inuritu was so dedicated to, to making it happen the way he envisioned it, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, even though, like, I would say there were, like, I wouldn't say it's like the best movie ever like i appreciate it because it's like an experience if that makes sense but there are quite a quite a few flaws in this movie i would say what what did you think well yeah i think that like that's a lot of the appeal of this movie because i'm just trying to imagine this movie on a green screen and like at its core the story is not really that special the acting is fantastic but like um, the characters aren't anything that couldn't necessarily be acted by anyone else. And um, I mean, that's it. Like you could make this movie very badly. Obviously it wasn't done that way because, but, and like, but like what makes this movie is, I mean, we've already said it, the specific talent that was brought to it, the actors knock it out of the park, but more importantly, like just the the choice to use only natural lighting and to use those long takes and like make everything as uh and like the attention to detail that Inuritu and um the cinematographer whose name I immediately forgot uh, Lubezki. Lubezki, yeah. yeah the just the attention to detail those two brought to it and like the Inuritu's as you said insistence to make sure that it to to realize this movie the way that he wanted it like that's what makes this movie. This movie is just like, this is, I don't know if this was a passion project for Inuritu, but it feels more like a passion project than like some other movies I've watched, which are actually passion projects. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I Honestly, like it's such a, a weird uh, metaphor, but this movie, when I watch it, it feels, it feels like a painting, you know, like it's, it, it's like beautiful art, but like, I guess, on the inside though it doesn't really make me feel that much if that mm-hmm. makes sense i'm not sure if that that's the best way to do it but yeah like it's it's very um the production on it is amazing it's just the script isn't great it's, it kind of reminds me of like a movie like avatar or something where like i feel like it really pushed the boundaries of cinema in many ways technically and it had a very average script that like um it's not bad it's just like the script does its job where it provides an easy enough story so the the audience can experience like the world more. Yeah, I guess like with your painting metaphor, I would probably I would extend that a little bit to be like this is like a painting of a battle. I don't connect with it on any level, but it's really, really, really good and really nice to look at. Yeah, like I can appreciate all of the artistry that went into this, but like there's very little for me personally as a personally or emotionally as a human being in this movie yeah like it's it's and also like it doesn't really make any attempts at that like honestly like that's i think that's the reason you actually empathize with tom hardy is because he's the only character with much depth to him on in the end you know uh because like all the other characters like Dom gleason's the good guy the uh, will Poulter is the the innocent dude, uh, innocent kid, and then Leonardo DiCaprio is the 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 face of revenge, essentially. Mm-hmm. And there's not much else to get. Whereas Tom Hardy's character actually is is extremely complex, all right, just... relatively complex because, uh, yeah, I guess it's not saying much considering the other characters. But I actually like he is a really good, interesting character to think about. 
a little surprising too because Tom Hardy's character doesn't have to be that. So it's interesting that like he's the one that gets depth where all he has to do is be the asshole who acts who almost kills this guy. Yeah. Or who leaves him for dead. That's all he has to do. Yeah. And he actually brings so much depth to that character despite that not being important not being to the character necessarily well not to the character but to that archetype. Like everyone in this movie is an archetype of a character. But like they are all characters, but less so than in, you know, a movie like The Wolf of Wall Street, for example. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily the best example, but it is an example (laughs) that works. Well, it shows like the the difference in that, like, I think uh, Revenant's definitely more of a cinematic experience, whereas Wolf of Wall Street's more of a a character oriented experience, Mm -hmm. uh, at least for for me. So, uh, it, like uh, but yeah honestly like it was it was really great all around there's not much like uh, there, I, I like the stuff like the special effects were really good too um i they, they used it very sparingly with the animals and stuff oh yeah and this bear was really good like leo versus bear best fight scene <laughs> yeah. we've seen so far yeah it was actually really all the, actually all the fight there weren't many fight scenes in this but uh like like i could i haven't i think uh, i haven't seen this movie for a while but i can still remember the the feelings i felt the first time i watched it in each scene where like like the the fight at the start is like a more of a bigger battle set piece and it's insanely cool how they shoot it it's it reminds me of it, it, it i kind of got like the intensity of like a big war war fight like for example in like game of thrones or or uh, Lord of the Rings, even though there's mm-hmm. only like 50 people in that fight, you know, it's really cool. How were they able to build a sense of scale, even though there wasn't actually that many things going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the yeah, the scenes with the bear and then the scenes where the last fight between Leo, uh, Leo and Tom Hardy is is insanely intense. And you really, you really feel every hit. Um, yeah, even it's... even though it's not like an it's like an epic fight, it's actually just very human and raw and real. Actually, honestly, really gross to watch. Yeah, because it's them just hitting each other, and they're both like near death, and they're about and they will kill each other. Like one of them is gonna die, but like they don't really have weapons for most of it. They're just like tackling each other, tackling, biting, choking. Oh yeah, uh... Tom Hardy bites off Hugh's ear at one point, or Leo's yeah. ear. Yeah, it was it was really hard to watch. And that that's essentially like that it seems like that that really made the movie for me. Um whereas like I I really think they they could have trimmed a lot in maybe the middle and cut it down by like 10 15 minutes possibly. Uh I don't know if that necessarily would have made the movie better, but I I think in terms of pacing it did feel a little long and I was relatively bored where it, there were just lots of parts where it was just the cinematography was keeping me interested and nothing else, which is, I guess, I guess part of probably what they were going for, but I don't think it entirely works. Yeah, I mostly agree. Uh, I So when I watched this movie the first time in theaters, I actually fell asleep during that middle part where he's just, you know, crawling back to the fur camp from a million <laughs> miles away. Yeah. Um. And when I was watching it this time, that is, again, where my attention started to waver. Uh, I really like visually those scenes, but, like, there's there's not much going on. If they if they could trim anything anywhere, it would be most of it would be all of it would be in that second act. Yeah, same. Well, that's the thing. It's like I don't I guess the third act starts when Leo gets saved, I think, by the people. If I, I had to guess, say. and yeah, that's definitely like I think by far the most interesting. Uh, actually, no, the start was really good too. See, that's the thing that the first act and third act were a lot shorter, but they were like I think consistently amazing throughout. Like they were literally perfect ten out of tens. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, in the middle, like there were some like the, the, all the scenes were nice. I guess right. Like I love the moments Leo had with his the guy that saved him, the indigenous man that saved him. Those that right. was really cute. Where they're like. uh they they share like the food of the carcass of an animal, and then there's a scene of them catching uh, snow in their mouth on their tongues and stuff. Like I love stuff like that, right? And I think it it helped us see a little more of a human side to this 
this story because honestly, for the most part, everyone's an asshole in this. So yeah. stuff like that was cute. I think they like stuff, other things like the the subplot with the the kidnapped daughter was sort of shoved in. And I, I personally don't entirely understand the point of it. Sorry, the kidnapped daughter? Oh yeah, there was like a subplot where these uh these guy the the indigenous peoples that trade furs with the French, they are looking for the chief's daughter. Um, because she was kidnapped and then Leo ends up saving her partway oh. through the movie from okay. being raped. And they also come in in the the end where they end up they're the ones that I guess this is spoilers. Are we doing I'm pretty far in. I mean, if you've if you've gotten this far, we've already spoiled some stuff. Yeah. At this point, here's an official spoiler warning. Okay. Um, they they're the ones that actually end up killing Tom Hardy, and that didn't feel entirely interesting to me. And that and honestly, like the entirety of that screen time might have taken like ten minutes. So like they could have cut that and it would help the movie a lot. Mm. Unless I'm missing something that's like really important with that that plot line symbolically that i'm not getting uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's like there's a there's a sort of connection in that both are looking for revenge for their their children but other than that yeah i don't understand the 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 relation between them um yeah i mean that's probably that's probably about it i yeah. thought that it was i didn't necessarily see much of a relation there i just saw that like it was important to bring back that plot line at some point I also thought weren't those the weren't those the people that had raided the camp at the beginning or am I confusing them? Wait, sorry, what? Were those not the same uh was that not the same person that was raiding the camp at the beginning? Yes, they were cuz they were looking okay. for his daughter essentially. So Right. So in that case like I think it's important at the end to like bring them back and give them some closure somehow. So yeah. It does I mean it doesn't bother me, but yeah, I don't know I don't I don't know if there was much other connection. Well, I guess the connection there is that they've kind of been a constant force throughout his whole journey. And I guess uh, there's there might be more to that, but maybe. that's all I can really read into it right away. Yeah. But yeah, if I had to choose something I could, it probably would have been that. But um either way, like uh overall I, I just wanna say amazing movie. Um on the surface, like I I do I really do like it despite its flaws. I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure why. It's just a beautiful movie in in a lot of ways. So um yeah. And I I would definitely like I'd say I'd say I give it like an eight out of ten. Um maybe eight point five, just because yeah, like it's it, it is it is kind of boring and uh that's that's not a great flaw to have in a movie, but everything else is just so up there that it, it drags that score up a lot. That's, um, my, that's my decision. I would probably give it about the same. I'm also going to say, like, I would give it an eight. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh. And on a Leo scale. Uh, well, hold on. Hold on. Uh, oh, sorry. I, I am also going to. I'm also. So how about you take this away on the Leo scale? Because right now what I'm looking for is I actually wrote a review of this movie a long time ago and i want to see if i still have it um okay. yeah let me see if i can find it so what would you give it on a leo scale what do you think mm, personally i'd probably say an eight like a very very good performance but also just mostly solid like i don't think he did anything that was insanely like oh my god and like no one but leo could do this um but again yeah, it, it is one of his it is an, a really really good performance either way and I'm really happy he he won an Oscar, even if I don't think this is his best performance and the one that I I wish did win. Sorry, say that last part again. Oh, as I wouldn't, I I wish I kind of wish this wasn't the performance he won for. But either way, it's it it is a really really good performance, no matter what. Yeah, and he does so, deserve it in some ways. I would ways. say I would say it also give it about an eight out of ten. That's what you gave it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think this wasn't my favorite Leo performance. However, I do think that like, well, I mean, this is, it's obviously his best physical performance because I don't think I've ever seen him give another one that was like, that was anything like this. And what I really think like the ultimate Leo performance, the ultimate 10 out of 10 Leonardo DiCaprio performance would be if you could like make a role that had as much for him to do as the Wolf of Wall Street, 
while being as physical as the Revenant. And I have no idea what that would even look like. But if you could combine those two, because those two are those are two of his best performances ever. Are they my two favorites? Maybe, maybe not. But like, those are definitely his two best, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I can totally see what you mean. This was this was basically like I think peak peak Leo, like this this era. Um, because like I think stuff like him being in this this movie made a ton of money, by the mm. way. Like for for a for a movie about a dude that crawls through the wilderness for two hours, like that it, it made like what five hundred five hundred million, a little five hundred and thirty million, which is like insanely up. good. Yeah. Um it, it was extremely critically loved, or like by by the Oscars academic. Uh, loved by the academy but also loved by critics and i'd say like pretty well loved by audiences and uh yeah I, and he was a big part of what made this movie tick if that makes sense as a project mm-hmm. and i think he brought a lot of attention to it so and then after this i think this was what, also one of his most challenging performances for him just physically because of what he had to like what he had to go through i think you know he ate he there's a scene where he eats a liver from a bison i think but in the movie, like or as an actor, he was actually eating raw liver, and um, and then there's just like also having to act in the cold and being cold all the time. That scene where he gets naked and crawls inside a horse, uh, he has a lot of crazy stuff in this, and yeah. uh, I don't blame him for after this. He basically takes a four four year break from acting, and it really wiped it really wiped out a lot of people, I guess. Like Tom Hardy after this movie has has actually taken relatively few uh movie roles at least um Mm -hmm. and the ones he did take were a lot easier like he he's in venom he's in both venoms and uh he's he was in this movie called capone directed by josh trank which is an odd choice but like if you look at his filmography trank had really wanted to do is the thing oh okay sick um i guess i i was surprised because after josh trank basically uh shit talked fox uh i thought he was uh, blacklisted from hollywood so uh, it was kind of interesting to see him in a in a movie by him and like specifically because he's only picked like three or four projects in the last five years to act in mm-hmm. after having an, an insanely busy first half of this decade so uh, yeah this movie took a lot out of <laughs> out of everyone and and i mean uh, like reflects uh it- Alejandro Inarritu Inarritu still hasn't directed another movie. He's done a virtual reality project since, but that was in 2017, and I can I can't imagine that that was nearly as challenging as any of the movies he's done, yeah, or at least no. any of the movies he's done recently. No way. And that's um, and that's this is that's after he won two Oscars back to back, like they were nothing, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. that's crazy. Same thing with. Emmanuel or Emmanuel Lubezki, he actually he's directed or he's done cinematography for one movie since The Revenant. Is that the virtual reality project that Alejandro Inarritu did? Because he's yeah. done that one. Oh, he did that one too. Oh, I guess yeah. that was a that was a short film. Um, yeah. But yeah, I did this movie by Terrence Malick called Song to Song. Um, oh, Terrence Malick's someone we got to talk about at some point. Yeah, it looks kind of interesting. But yeah, either way, so- like. So all these guys who are at the peak of their careers basically just stop making really insanely good movies after that. So I don't know what happened on that set, but it must have been crazy. Wiped everyone for sure. Yeah. All right. So this is the end of an era for Leo. So you know what we should do? We should rank these last five movies. And while you're putting together your list, I'm going to give you some time because I found my old review. Would you like me to read the whole thing? Sure. Very short. So this is this is what I thought of this movie back in 2016. This is The Revenant. Inspired by true events, The Revenant tells the stranger-than-fiction story of fur trapper Hugh Glass, Leonardo DiCaprio. After being left for dead by his companions following a mauling by a grizzly bear, Glass embarks on a quest for revenge on the companions who abandoned him, particularly Tom Hardy's John Fitzgerald, contending with natives, waterfalls, weather, wolves, and other wildlife along the way. While The Revenant does take some liberties with Glass's story, it's commendably close to the actual events as they are commonly recounted, which are heavily unsettling to watch. There's no glory in the movie's action scenes, with actors looking terrified in fights that seem organic rather than choreographed, 
particularly disturbing is Glass's encounter with the bear, which is hardly a fight scene at all. It's more a 10-minute clip of Glass clinging to life while being alternatingly ripped apart and sat on by a bear. Actually, everything in The Revenant does well is on display during the bear scene. During the mauling, the camera is always positioned just right to activate the audience's curiosity without giving away too much. The bear might be shown filling 90% of the screen, only moving its paws, while the actual damage is only implied but not shown. The soundtrack is completely absent. The scene relies only on deep, explosive bear growls for the audio experience. Meanwhile, DiCaprio is getting more mileage out of grunts and spit slurping than some actors get out of their careers. DiCaprio's glass doubtlessly takes part in exciting events, but ultimately much of the story is him crawling several hundred miles to the nearest town. As such, there are many areas where the movie simply drags. In these spots, director Alejandro G. Inuritu inserted several flashbacks involving Glass's former wife or lover, but the flashbacks come across more confusing than enlightening, only seeming to come up when there's nothing better happening and simply aren't as compelling as any of the main plot lines. Thankfully, these flashbacks are sparse enough that they simply seem like something worth paying attention to during a second watch, rather than bogging down the whole movie. The Revenant is a harsh, gritty, and disturbingly real in ways like unlike any other movie currently in theaters. While it's not always easy to watch, it's a very while it's not always an easy watch, it's a very rewarding one. Three and a half out of five. That's a good review. It did uh, you, you not talk about Tom Hardy though. Yeah, I can't believe that. But you were also relatively critical of Leo. Or like, I, maybe it was satirically critical. I guess. Well, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, because ways. like what I, I did fully believe that Leo was getting was doing an incredible job even at the time. But like there is a lot of time in that movie where Leo doesn't do much than other than grunt and like spit because that's all his character can do at the time. And the thing what I'm saying, though, is that like he's really good, completely wordlessly where like he's better than some actors entire careers i mean not some really good actors but still like it he is getting he, those are just his the parts of this movie where he doesn't even speak is a bet are better performances than a lot of other movies i've seen true i can agree to that um so what would you say what what would you what's your final rating for for late period yes. leo i'm pretty sure there's five movies right do i have them? yes okay cool so yeah, for if we're going from a pure movie perspective, actually I'll go Leo perspective first. Um, from a Leo perspective, I I went uh, Django Unchained. Or no, I'll start from the bottom. Jay Edgar. Oh no, Gatsby. Gatsby is my least favorite acted by him. Um, and then I'd say, oh wait, did I mess these lists up? I totally did. Okay, never mind. I'm going from a movie perspective. So worst, I'd say Jay Edgar, just because I, I just thought it was a, a bad movie in general. Um, I, I didn't like the directing. I, I didn't love the char- like the character or the story. I thought it was really slow, overly long, a little too edgy and like moody for me. So I didn't care for it. Uh, then we have Gatsby, which also wasn't that great, but I think it had some interesting uh some interesting cinematography and direction by Baz Luhrmann but really lacks again in story and uh just doesn't really feel like a cohesive project uh, third place I'd have The Revenant because um yeah it's like amazing movie just the second act is bloated and way too long uh and then I think I'd say Django Unchained uh like again really good movie I'd say perfect up until basically the third act where it it definitely goes downhill a lot, and but um, before that, it's just like pure movie magic. Tarantino at his best, uh, and then the top movie I'd say is Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, amazing biopic, never never really lags at all. No, I wouldn't say there's any bad parts in it. Uh, three hours long, but kept me entertained, and it's like Scorsese at, at his best, uh, essentially. But what would you? Do you say want me to me? say my movies, or yeah, go ahead. You want to do okay? So ours are remarkably close. I put Jay Edgar. At th- so I want to first preface this by saying I liked all of these movies, actually, like even Jay Edgar. I did enjoy it. And I mean, as I said, uh, I just re-listened to our Jay Edgar podcast today. Um, I do think that a lot of the reason I liked Jay Edgar is because I've seen other Clint Eastwood biopics and not liked them. And this one was one that I didn't hate. So that is a part nice. of it. 
But like, so Jay Edgar's at the bottom for me. Uh, Great Gatsby is above that because even though like watching it again, I don't like the Great Gatsby as much as I used to. I think it's, I still, like I used to think it was incredible and now I think it's like fine. However, it's really fun. Like it, it takes a dive. It, like it, it, it's a downward, it, it's all downhill from the beginning, unfortunately. But like, it is a pretty fun movie overall until it eventually becomes, you know, until it hits that part of the hill that's not fun anymore. So I would say J. Edgar and then Gatsby. Number three is The Revenant, basically for the exact same reasons you just said. Number two is The Wolf of Wall Street. I really liked it, but I liked Django better just because, like, I like those old, like, I like it when movies are sort of self-aware corny in the way that Quentin Tarantino is. Because, like, Django is a very corny movie, but, like, not in a way that diminishes how serious most of it is, if that makes sense. Yeah. When it comes to the violence in Django, it's all cartoonishly stupid. But, like, also because of the way it's portrayed, even though it's portrayed very cartoonishly, it's very... um, it still has the same effect. And then like at the end, after he kills a bunch of people extremely violently, they give him like an old fifties Western uh, cowboy outro song, which I always remember is just like, "Mm, love that. (laughs) Nice. So I would say Django is my top one for this last one. But the thing is like Leo's not really in that. So it, I mean, we talked about it and it counts, but in a way, does it really count? I feel almost bad putting it at number one, but it's yeah. definitely my favorite of those. <clears throat> yeah, it is. It is honestly a really close race. Um, and then uh, in terms of the, the performances, which is actually a, 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 this took a lot more thought. Um, I'd say Gatsby at the bottom just because it's yeah, pretty tame performance from Leo. It, it really relies on his star power rather than his acting ability <clears throat> to make the character work. Um, this was kind of weird for me. I actually put Revenant uh, next just because I didn't, again, I didn't feel like it brought any anything unique or truly uh, challenging to Leo, I guess. Like, I, I've, I've really? seen him in pain before. Like, ch- I guess it was challenging physically, but just from an acting perspective, like a pure acting perspective, I don't think, um, I, I would still put it under, like, uh, my next movie is Jay Edgar, just because of how how much range Leo had to capture in J. Edgar itself, um, like I I don't know why, but I, it's just like I've seen I, I I for the Revenant for me his performance was just like I've seen him in act like in pain a lot before, right? In different movies, um, this was just that, but extended, and it was done right. really really well, obviously, right? But I don't personally think it challenged him as an actor as much as it did uh, in terms of physical. Uh, pain in in having to pull off the performance so mm-hmm. i put jay edgar on top of it because yeah like he, he acted old he acted young he acted innocent kind uh depressed like there were, there was lots of range in there i didn't love the movie but he was literally the only him and uh the other guy army the hammer star him and army hammer carried the movie really really hard they tried their best oh yeah and i i give props to that because in this sense, it, it would have been an absolutely, utterly terrible movie if they if they didn't really pull their pull their uh, put 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 on their chops. I guess I don't even when, know what to say. When you finish your list, I'm gonna give a really hot take. Sure. Uh, okay. And then uh, next, uh, I put uh, Wolf of Wall Street because, like, again, it, it's a really, really, really good performance, and it's a really, really good, good movie, but. I I guess for me like it might I think it might be better on paper but I just I just love his performance Django Unchained it'll always I don't know awe me and I just love I personally love the marriage of Tarantino and Leo a lot more than Leo and Scorsese even though I think Leo and Scorsese works amazingly I think it's just their what they want is actually like pretty similar whereas Django Unchained, Leo in that movie, it felt like a very non-Leo role. And that's probably why it's it's I would like say it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite role from him, in that you have like Tarantino's uh, like I for me it's very silly and and pulpy 
uh, directing and kind of corny, but like done really well mixed with Leo's very, he brings a very serious or he's usually a very serious and very uh, grounded actor uh, for the most part. And then in this, he he takes it up to 11 with his, uh, he's like a very stereotypical, like evil villain. Right. But he, he plays it so freaking well. And it's so, in my opinion, it was really, really against type. And I, I just, I, I think he did it amazingly. And mm-hmm. uh, I, that's why I put it above Wolf of Wall Street. But yeah, let's hear a hot take. Okay. Uh, J. Edgar, I want to see that movie done the exact same way with everyone in the movie the same, except, or not the exact same way. I want to see that movie done with, every, with everybody in the movie the same, except remove Clint Eastwood from that. Because as much as I respect Clint Eastwood, I think that most of the problems I have with that movie are in the way that it's structured and the directing. So maybe get rid of the script writer as well. But like, I guess <laughs> here's, here's, my, here's my hot take. I really want, like, I think that movie would be better as like a noir superhero movie. So like that movie was already kind of trying to be a noir movie, but, and we brought this up in our, uh, in our episode about it. Um, that movie so um j edgar hoover spent a lot of money on of of fbi money on advertising specifically like he made comic books he made a tv show he made all of that stuff and in the in that and in that movie in the movie j edgar he tells the first part of it as an unreliable narrator but like if he's an unreliable narrator why is he not making himself an ultra superhero like the unreliable narrator parts where he's telling his life story should be the comic strips. Like these should be actual adaptations of J Edgar Hoover comics storylines. And like then later, and then like the framing device is the serious stuff. That's what that movie should be. And I guess the hot, the hottest take I had here was the first person I thought of to potentially direct it was Gavin O'Connor, the dude who did the 2013 Green Hornet movie. Wow, that is a really hot take. I don't know if I'd ask the Green Hornet dude to direct anything. Yeah, I don't know that that's necessarily the right director. But the thing is, like, that's what I want to see that movie. Like, his the style of that movie is more or less what I want the... um, the, the, the unreliable parts of that movie to be. Probably better than the Green Hornet, but still. Yeah, I, I, I could actually, that'd be really interesting to see. Because, like, that was the most, I remember I was talking about that, the most interesting aspect of the movie is that, uh, or one of the most interesting aspects is that he is an unreliable narrator. And it's, it's uh, hard to, like, it, it leaves a lot of it to interpretation, right? So it, could, it actually would be really cool to see, like, them truly embrace that and exaggerate it as, like, a, Almost like a, a dream sequence in a way. Yeah. Or, um, that could be cool because, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. So that's a that's cool. I like that. That is. A, but again, it's a really, really hot take, too. <laughs> At least you're um, But anyway, my Leo scale for the last five movies, uh, I put Gatsby at the bottom. That's not a surprise. Um, <clears throat> I really like what you said about the Django Unchained thing. And. I I have a really tough time with my three and four because with um, my three and four are Django Unchained and J. Edgar. Um, and like, I don't know what order I want those in because in J. Edgar, I thought, like you said, he brought a lot of range. It was a really good role for like, he, he made that role really work. And like, he carried that movie along with Army Hammer. I'm just repeating the same things you said. <laughs> and in Django Unchained, um, Django Unchained was your number one, am I correct? Or was it your number two? Your number number one. one. I like your reasoning for why it's your number one, but like he didn't have an he didn't have very much time. And for me, like, even though he really brought it, I it's hard for me to put it above it's hard for me to put it any higher than maybe number three, because he was just in it for, you know, he wasn't even in it until the second act, and he wasn't in the third act at all. So Django Unchained, and I I think, like, if the other movies that we had watched were weaker movies, Django Unchained would absolutely be at the top every time because he's so good in it. 
However, uh, I stand by what I said earlier in this episode. The Revenant and The Wolf of Wall Street are my personal favorite performances from Leo ever. In the order, number two, The Revenant, number one, The Wolf of Wall Street. Because like, I think that those show off who Leo is at his best. They don't necessarily have as much range as Django. So maybe Django is up. So I think Django is up there in my top three. But like, or no, not, no, Django's not the one with range. J. Edgar is the one with range. So like, The Revenant and The Wolf of Wall Street don't have that much range for Leo. But they are like, The Wolf of Wall Street is Leo's absolute, Leo at his absolute best when he has lines and when he's like the main character of the story, the Revenant is Leo at his absolute best when he's not allowed to speak essentially. And so like, I think those are my two favorite Leo performances maybe ever. And then the the only problem with those is they do not show off the range that like J Edgar does. And they don't. And like you said, like Quentin Tarantino brings out the best in him. So I am excited when we eventually talk about, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood to see if you know it carries over between those movies, but uh, that would be my final ranking. So I guess to summarize, because I keep going on tangents, five is Gatsby, four is J. Edgar, three is Django, but three and four could switch, and then two is The Revenant, and one is The Wolf of Wall Street. Sick, yeah. I like. I I can't disagree. You made you made a lot of smart choices there, and. I did definitely um, like your points about Django Unchained, though. Yeah, it's definitely more of a personal preference thing. Um, I, 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 I always love it when I, I love the idea of leave the audience wanting more, I guess. And for me, Django Unchained is like the pinnacle of that for Leo, because like, again, he's not he's not the star for once. And his his uh, performance is like never boring because I think it's in part that he isn't actually in the movie for as, as long as many of the other characters. So I think, and and I I think, think that's what makes it way cooler. I think it really does say a lot about you as an actor. If you can be in the movie as a side character for, you know, maybe an hour of a three hour movie. So you're in it for less than half the movie and you leave that much of an impression on the audience because like, yeah. Jamie Foxx and Christoph Waltz are incredible in that movie. I remember Leo more than either of them. Yeah, exactly. It's it's crazy. And like those aren't untalented actors. I mean, they were both one of them won an Oscar. One of them was I think I think Django or uh, uh, Jamie Foxx was nominated for that role for best actor. Right. I believe I'm going to check. But I know that Christoph Waltz legitimately won for that role. Yeah. So it's like crazy that he could just steal the movie from them while he's there even despite the fact that these are both still insanely like praised actors in in it and uh personally if i had to choose an oscar for him to have won it would probably be this one as well that i'd like to see this or wolf of wall street Uh, wolf Mm -hmm. of wall street does feel more fulfilling though i guess yeah wolf of wall street i feel like giving him an Oscar for the Wolf of Wall Street would have been giving him an Oscar at the pinnacle of of his career. For sure, yeah. For that reason, I mean, I don't know how committed he was to that, to getting that Oscar. Like, I think he may have been, he was probably already signed on to The Revenant. So maybe him getting the Oscar for the Wolf of Wall Street would not have stopped The Revenant from being made. But like, if there's any chance that he wouldn't have given it his all for the Revenant after get, after winning the Wolf of Wall Street, then I'm very glad he didn't win for the Wolf of Wall Street. But also, yeah. you know, that's the one I think should have won. Yeah, makes sense. Can we agree to all that? Right. Well, this has been a ride. This is episode 16 of uh, Losing It Over Leo. And this is where we're going to take a break. This is it. We've made it through the whole journey. We've gotten through all of his Academy Awards. I think next time when we come back, which, I mean, for our listeners, it might be a week, depending on when this comes out. But for us, it's going to be a while. Um, Let's uh, cap this all off with the only movie he's done since The Revenant. What do you think about that? Yes, let's look at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is going to be interesting because it's another Quentin Tarantino one. So, like, we'll get to see... What happens? Like, does he bring that same energy when Quentin Tarantino makes him a main character? I can yeah, probably I, answer that if I think enough about it, but I don't want to. So. <laughs> probably, yeah. We'll we'll get a better idea of it when we rewatch it again. So, 
yeah very exciting um and uh it's it's uh once we get there also it's just it's so cool to think of what he's going to do next in the future yeah. as well he's uh, another martin scorsese movie coming out i think yeah, it starts true. filming uh, next spring killer of the flower fl- something like that something, something about like that, a yeah. serial killer but yeah exciting and we'll uh say you know more excited to talk about once upon a time in hollywood though so yeah all right well we will talk to you guys again in episode 17 the epilogue to our series dun, dun, dun.